Questions about Irv Smith, questions about Lewis Seen, questions about Homerism. It's Twitter Tuesday on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made even easy. Just pick two to five players. If they are going to get more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users get 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. It's Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions. Send me questions anytime at locked on Vikings or at Luke Brown NFL on Twitter. You can send me emails at locked on Vikings podcast at gmail.com. You can even fill out the Google form in the show notes or leave a YouTube comment if you would like. So, first one I'm going to answer comes from Danny. We're going to start with some Justin Jefferson questions, and his is, I know many have been saying JJ was able to do what he did because Green Bay didn't have Alexander on him, but Kevin O'Connell definitely schemed it well where JJ could get open. Do you think he was able to go off more so because of the scheming rather than Green Bay not putting Alexander on him? Okay, so for this, this is going to be like the main topic of one of the first real football things I put on my Patreon, which is still going to be going throughout the season, by the way, patreon.com slash LukeBrownNFL. Um, and I'm going to go play by play by it. Can't do that on podcast, obviously. But for the sake of this, um, the yes, I think it was a lot more Kevin O'Connell. Um, and I think Kevin O'Connell beat Joe Barry. And I mean, Joe Barry was in a blender. It was a real butt kicking. It's ba- back to the drawing board kind of day. Like I would be hitting panic buttons if I were Green Bay. It made like I think seven of the eight catches. I I wrote down the word easy somewhere in my notes they all were very easy mode just run against the leverage just make the catch do the routine things and you know justin jefferson will do the routine things right ten thousand times out of ten thousand so it's going to be free free money and same thing with with kirk cousins uh we love that right we, we love seeing how easy it was made for those guys that's good coaching that's and that's sustainable in a way too you know that's that's just beating the guy on the other sideline from you that said part of that is also green bay messing up because their failure to get good matchups and matt lafleur even said you know it's like this huge thing in their media matt matt lafleur said like yeah you'd have to go pure man-to-man and like yeah you should have done that you should have bit that bullet and done that, and at least then you'd have a chance of slowing down the dude that just had a career day on you. Um, real rough couple of media sessions for that guy, by the way. Things are cloudy in Green Bay, and we love to see it. Um, Aiden Koob asks, kind of the logical extension, uh, that that is, is the amount JJ got the ball sustainable, or is that more due to Green Bay not having an answer for him? So isn't that the million-dollar question? Will this happen next week? Here's my theory on this, but I am just guessing. Um, But my guess is this is what the Vikings wanted for this particular matchup. There are a lot of bullets in the chamber with uh, Kevin O'Connell. There's Irv Smith, Kenny Wongu, um, more 12 personnel stuff. 
more Dalvin Cook oriented stuff. We haven't seen how other games will challenge him. This was plan A and plan A just kept working until the game was over or functionally over. So we didn't really see what happens when that gets challenged. And then we'll see, right? Is this is uh, Clint Kubiak had a great offensive game uh, early in the season last year. And we were like, oh, Clint Kubiak finally figured it out. He's like, well, is it that? Or is, I think it was the Seahawks. Is it that the Seahawks didn't challenge that? And when challenged, will he have any plan B? They roll into Cleveland the next year or the next week. Um, they didn't have a plan B and they end up scoring seven points at home and getting beaten a really ugly game. Or is there a plan B and O'Connell just didn't even need to show it yet. And now the Eagles, the Packers did so bad that the Eagles don't get the tape that they wanted. Right. That would be the ideal. We have, we don't know. We have no idea, but my guess is they've got a lot more than choice routes to Justin Jefferson and overs to Justin Jefferson. That was kind of the two pitches that they used the most in this game against green Bay. Green Bay didn't have an answer for that. So you just keep spamming them until you're, you know, there's four and a half minutes left in the game and you're up by 16 points. Uh, lucky asks somewhere I remember hearing Kevin O'Connell talk about how it is important for QBs to find a rhythm. Have you seen any examples of how Kevin O'Connell has done this for cousins to get him on track? Okay. Love this question. Yes. First play of the game. Keeper slide. Keeper is the McVeigh word for rollout. Um, so when I, when you hear me say keeper, I mean like, you know, the boot, like the thing we've been seeing Kirk cousins do the whole time he's been here. Um, but keeper slide is sort of the rhythm play version of that, where it, it's a, there's going to be deep stuff going on, but really the point of the play is a timing-based completion to usually a tight end or a fullback or somebody that isn't like a, a receiver um, on the line of scrimmage, and usually they can run forward, hopefully get five, six yards. It's a first down play. It's sort of an extension of the run game kind of play, but it's very rhythmic. It's a good kind of get yourself into the flow of the game, get into a huddle, get to the line, run a snap, everything on time, get back and do a huddle, sort of a warm-up play. Um, it's just never going to be the kind of play that gets you an explosive game, so you can't make an offense out of it, but it's a nice, it's got its place in the playbook. Uh, Skull Actuary says, why wasn't Kevin more aggressive? Seems like the decision-making was pretty in line with what Zimmer did the last few years. And there's a whole big, long thing in this. Somebody said, wait, he was super aggressive, and this big argument was he even aggressive. So let me just get on the aggressiveness thing right now. So... Kevin O'Connell was definitely more aggressive than Zimmer. There was a fourth down we usually wouldn't expect from Zimmer, a fourth down go for it, that fourth and one that ended up in a touchdown. I will say Zimmer went for more of those than I think he got credit for. Um, but there was that, and then there was a fourth and two near the end of the game that he didn't go for, that he could have. Um, there were a lot more shot plays. This is going to be something I'll probably talk about tomorrow. There were a lot more shot plays called than what Cousins threw. Um, so the offense could have looked a little more aggressive if you just got different looks. Um, there's just the way the Packers played defense took that away sometimes. And that's going to be what happens. The ebb and flow of a game is that the other guys get paid too. And sometimes they're going to take away your deep shot and you have to go underneath. And that's not like a conscious decision. You're taking what the defense gives you instead of throwing right into their teeth for interceptions. Um, that's just the way it works. So I don't think he was less aggressive or more aggressive or yeah, I don't think he was like as aggressive as Zimmer. I think it was definitely more aggressive than that. And if you look at just like, they really came out throwing. They, they ran it in their first two possessions. They ran it like six, five, six times to I think like 10 or 11 throws. Like they came out and a, and a lot of those were shots and a lot of those were chunk plays and a lot of it, like they really wanted to, they, I, I thought they ran a pretty attacking offense, um, at least compared to what we've seen with like the Kubiaks. The great and powerful Nas, I love that, says, uh, does a healthy scene start 
or have we not seen <laughs> the last of Cam Bynum? Um, so you may have missed it during preseason in camp, but if you did, or I don't know, um, healthy scene does not start over Bynum. Bynum won that camp competition pretty fair and square. Um, and he earned it. Like it wasn't like a default thing. Bynum had a really good, strong start. Thought he had a nice game in this one too. So he would be the starter and, um, scene would be a three safety rotational player. He would kind of rotate in. You'd have like Jonathan Bullard, Chandon Sullivan and Lewis scene would all probably get about a third of the snaps and you would dial fiddle with that ratio, depending on what personnel packages the other team throws out there, which brings me to James K who asks, I was wondering if you think employing a three-safety defense against Philly could be a good strategy to contain Hurts, kind of like 2018 Chargers-Ravens playoffs. Smith and Bynum could do their normal stuff while Seen could replace someone like Hicks more often and spy on Hurts. Okay, so you're actually talking about dime, I think, there. Um, Three-safety would be a big nickel package, and Hicks would also be on the field, but if you're going to replace Hicks and that, um, and Bullard with another DB, that's dime, and that's what the Chargers and Ravens did. And maybe... Um, if you wanted that much speed, what I don't know is how physical the Eagles run game is. That's what it would come down to. And that's a question. I'll probably just defer it to the end of the week. Uh, I've got a whole bunch more to talk about, but first let me talk to you about daily fantasy. I don't like daily fantasy. It's a game that I, I'm not good at like building fantasy teams and trying to find the edge cases and stuff. Just give me a few players and let me just kind of predict what they're going to do. So prizepicks.com is daily fantasy made easy. It is, they have their projections for everybody, how many yards and touchdowns and stuff that they'll get, and you just say more or less then. And it's that simple. You pick two to five players, and you can get up to 10 times your money on any entry. They've got NFL, and they've also got basketball, baseball, hockey, NASCAR, Euro basketball, cricket, and it's operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. I also want to talk to you about AG1 by Athletic Greens. AG1 is a supplemental, like little kind of vitamin mix that you mix into a cup of water every morning and then you go on with your day. It is that easy. It was founded by a guy that was having problems with his gut health. So AG1 is really about gut health. And gut health is like underrated, uh, if especially like nutritionally and your gut bacteria and stuff is uh, sort of a cutting edge science. It's really cool stuff when you start looking into it. AG1 is awesome for your gut health. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and something called adaptogens to help you start your day right. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day every single day. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag, Eric the Red asks, how many man hours were put into the Vikings docu-series? Thanks for the chance to plug, Eric. <laughs> the History of the Minnesota Vikings is a seven-part docu-series in which I recount the entire history of the Minnesota Vikings, as you could probably guess. It's on my Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL, and it is a project that I poured 
hundreds if not thousands of my own hours into over this calendar year. I've been working on it since January. I finished it this weekend. Finally, the whole thing is up and out and free to watch on my Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL. Nolo's Hot Takes asks, why do you think Swervin played so little, condition coming off the injury, or just the new normal? <laughs> so it kind of depends on who you ask. If you ask Irv Smith, he says, oh, I wasn't quite up to game speed, and they were still easing me in and stuff because I missed all of camp. Um, that's not a physical conditioning thing. It's like a game speed thing, and it's not a health thing. It was, It's like a, I missed a lot of time, and I'm catching up kind of thing. That was his answer. Kevin O'Connell's answer was it was a game plan thing. Um, and because of the stuff we wanted to do out of 21 personnel, they wanted different things. He was very vague about it. Translating that, I think that is when they were in 21 personnel, they wanted a little more bit size and physicality. And so that was Johnny Munt and Ben Ellefson. Ellefson was a catastrophe. He was a very bad blocker. He, he whiffed a lot in this game. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked to see that become Munt and Irv Smith out of 21. I think that's what it should be. Um, but it's also, yeah, first game back. And I, I would imagine Irv Smith's got a little, uh, a little bit of a point too. Uh, Stizo asks, does Munt's performance indicate that teams can run with him as a tight end one in the future? Or should we, should we not have the cap to keep Irv? Seems like the tight end's not so vital in this scheme. Um, super disagree that the tight end was not vital. And I thought Johnny Munt in particular did have a really nice day, but it wasn't perfectly consistent. There were, I posted a lot of really good reps of him on Twitter. There were some bad ones that I just didn't happen to like tweet those. Um, but he did have a lot of really good reps and I thought he had a really good day as a blocker, especially the tight end in particular, the tight end in run blocking is like a staple thing because of duo, which is their staple. One of their two staple runs duo and zone, um, duo and outside zone and outside zone can turn into mid zone, but duo has a tight end blocking a defensive end. You have to be able to do that. Um, and I thought Johnny Munt held up really well. I thought he fought Preston Smith to a draw, got beat a couple times, beat him a couple times, and I thought he beat Rashawn Gary pretty well. That said, as a tight end one, um, no, I don't think he has quite enough dynamicism to do that. He can be a check down. He can probably run a choice route as well as anyone. Uh, but I don't really want like he's not a weapon but he can block so i think he's a blocking tight end and that's okay blocking tight end and a check down tight end there's a place for that on a roster but not as tight end one third eye nomai asks apparently dalvin tomlinson is the league's premier pass rusher now just an outlier is there reason to be optimistic he has improved man always has been all right <laughs> he was really good last year and i don't know why people thought he was like dis a disappointment Maybe it was a PFF grade thing. I don't know. But he was like dope last year and he was he had a very good game this time. He's very penetrative, um, beat the guards a lot. I, I think the Packers being kind of down to their depth on offensive line and also not having a great interior. Their interior is, I think, worse than Packers fans thought and the Packers themselves thought. So that might have been a matchup thing, too. But I don't know. Credit to Dalvin Tomlinson. He had a great game. Certainly wasn't his first one. Rasta Pasta asks, we saw a lot of good defense yesterday. Where does our defense need to improve? Where is our weakness? So this is another one I'm going to go into super depth on either tomorrow on the show or on Patreon if I have to. Um, Jordan Hicks. So this is the weird thing. And this is going to be a hot take. I kind of said it on the Minnesota football party. Um, Jordan Hicks had a problem with range, which sucks because he didn't have that at, his, at Arizona. But the Packers really stretched him. Like, he just wasn't quite fast enough. And I think that, like, the point was to get him in positions where he was going to be a step late. That was their entire game plan. 
They scored seven points. So you got to do better than that if you're going to beat the Vikings. You can't have only that. But the Packers did have that, and it was something, and that will make some plays. But it was a lot of, you know, play action and get a guy out into the flat. Um, there was just a lot of examples of him not quite getting out uh, in to the flat or to his area on time. And all of them were, like, really hard. Like, they had to get all the way across the field. Did that to Kendricks a couple times, too. He made it sometimes. He didn't make it sometimes. Um, but Jordan Hicks didn't make it way too often. So the hot take becomes, okay, when does Brian Osamoa come in? And because Brian Osamoa will make it, but he's got nowhere to go because Brian Osamoa will very often make it very quickly to the wrong place and run himself out of the play. That happened a lot in preseason, and it's why he didn't like earn a start over Hicks or anything like that. But Kevin O'Connell has had a lot of praise for Brian Osamoa, and he did have a lot of flashy highlight reps um, where when he was right, he was there very quickly. He was really explosive, shot gaps, did a ton of awesome stuff. Um, and so the question is, if you put Brian Osimo in over Jordan Hicks, which I don't think you should do, and the reason is, does he bring in more problems than he solves? And the answer right now emphatically is yes. He will bring in more problems than he solves just by going the wrong way. But eventually, hopefully you would hope, you know, he's a rookie, so you would hope he learns a little bit more and he gets a little bit more steady and he gets a little bit more right very often, you know? I think there is there comes a point where Asamoah supplants Jordan Hicks. Does it happen this year? Wouldn't bet on it, wouldn't be stunned, but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, does it happen by the end of Jordan Hicks's contract? I'm going to say yes, which is the next two years. It's not that hot a take. Um, but basically, once Asamoah is ready, he goes in, but the Jordan Hicks problem was definitely a problem. Um, not a game-breaking one, though. It was worth a touchdown <laughs> because that's all the Packers had. MN Hopes asks, while the Vikings put together a dominating performance yesterday, the front seven somewhat disappointed, especially in run defense. What changes may have to be made going against the much better offensive line of the Eagles who have a better run scheme this week? Um, do they have a better run scheme? I thought the, Vi the, the Packers were supposed to have like one of the best run games in the, in the league with Aaron Jones. Uh, at least fantasy said so, but I don't, well, the front seven had a phenomenal game for one really disruptive, but you're talking about how they got like six yards per carry or something like that. Some of that is like a schematic concession where they just took a lot of safeties out of the box. They, they played really soft, especially down the stretch. And a lot of that run production happened after they, you're kind of okay giving up seven yards a pop because you're up 23 to seven and it's the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I would, Look at what some of those uh, what where some of those happened. That said, I thought they got the Vikings with pin and pull a little bit. Um, that was not as great to see. Um, there was some washing out that happened. There was a little bit of getting out physical, but then there were times where they lived in the backfield. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't share concern about that at all. I think you're. There are situational factors that make it really hard to extrapolate stuff from the game. So my answer to a lot of these things are going to be: Well, we kind of have to wait and see. Uh, but for whatever it's worth, I thought the front seven had a very, very fantastic game. And if they want to run for five yards a pop on us, but they can't throw at all, I'll take that deal every day. I got a few more questions to get to here, so let me get into that. But first, let me talk to you about a good old gramble. A lot of people didn't like my grambling takes. That's what grambling is for. If you don't like my grambling takes, listen to them and then go bet the opposite at betonline.net. I certainly won't be offended, especially if it helps you win money. BetOnline is your one-stop shop for all things grambling. 
It is a great place to bet on NFL games or basketball or baseball or hockey or anything else. You can find it all at Bet Online. You can build weird player props, bet live in the middle of games. It's all very awesome. Head on over to betonline.net where the game starts. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Jordan Barrett asks, Vikings had three good quarters on offense. What did you see in the third quarter that our offense needs to improve on to remain consistent? Uh, that's two possessions on offense. I wouldn't overreact to two possessions in a row, one of which started in field goal range and they got a field goal, um, and one of which got a couple first downs and then punted. That's fine. Um, it's more that they they wanted those drives to last a long time, and the Packers didn't do a good enough job of being fast. Um, their drives were long and plotting as well. And so each team only got four possessions in the second half. That's not a lot. And it's not a lot of scoring opportunities, but the first possession that they got in the third quarter ended in that because of that OPI, it was third and four back shoulder fade, beautiful ball from cousins. Um, Jefferson gets called for OPI kind of disagreed with it. I think it was a really soft call. And if they didn't call it, they would have been set up on the goal line. And then the second time they got a little discombobulated with the second and 16, they had a delay of game penalty on second and 11 um, that turned into a second and 16 and they couldn't quite dig out of it. And then they punted on fourth and two. That's the whole third quarter. Like it's a really small sample. So I wouldn't overreact too much to it. Mike Eruption asks, what are some keys to the Vikings beating the Eagles? I just watched the Eagles-Lions highlights. It seems that if the Vikings can contain Hurts, then they'd be in a good position to win. Easier said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. And part of containing a mobile quarterback, it's more about just playing contain against him. It's about keeping his rush lane. It's about being really disciplined in your rush lanes and collapsing the pocket in on him in such a way that you're still pressuring him, but without giving him an escape valve. And the Vikings actually played a lot of this against Rodgers. Dalvin Tomlinson did a really good job of, of choking off escape valves when that was like his job. And pass rushes are going to be designed like this, depending on you know where which gaps you have everybody attack. But Dalvin Tomlinson often was tasked with just choking off the escape valve. Just make it so Rodgers can't run this way. And Rodgers didn't run the way that he used to, so they might not have needed to play it like this. But I, I, that was a big reason why he didn't have the escapability that he usually had was because I thought the Vikings were disciplined in that. So that's part of it. Um, Mike Eruption asked the second part that says, uh, can we get a, a little more Vikings Homer takes from you? It's okay to give a Homer take every now again. You could always preface it, preface it as such. Another one comes from purple Jerome who asks what's worse being a Homer or a realist who's wrong. Um, okay. So let me give me my Homer thing again for people who might be new to this show or maybe haven't been listening for that long. If you want to listen to a show that's rah-rah Viking excitement, you know, purple blooded. That's great. There's a lot of shows out there like that. You can get that on like KFan or a lot of places. Um, you're not going to find that here. And similarly, if you just want somebody to tell you how this is all going to go wrong so that you can prepare yourself emotionally for the letdown, that's also not what you're going to find here. You may or may not agree with what I, you might've not agreed with me when I said, oh, I thought the Packers would win this game. I did. I was wrong. And that's okay. But that's always going to be honest. I'm never going to be trying to balance positivity and negativity. I'm going to tell you what I think. And if the Vikings are good, if I think they're good, you're going to get more positivity than negativity. And if I don't think they're good, you're going to get more negativity than positivity. But it's always going to be honest. That's the promise I can make to you. I'm always going to mean what I say. If you disagree, I have no problem with that. That's fine. You can disagree. And, and I try to make the show something that you can listen to disagree with and still enjoy and say, ah, I don't think I agree with that, but you can, we can move forward. That's always fine. If you disagree with stuff that I've said in this show, 
but you made it to this point. That's great. Thank you. Yes. Um, but I'm not going to say something just because it's Homerish, and I'm not going to say something just because I feel like I've been too Homerish. I should be expected to. I should. You should want me to tell you what I actually think, right? Not what you want to hear. I don't know. Moving on. Jay Severs asks, uh, what is the position that typically needs the least development coming out of college? That's a great question. Running back, probably. Um, running backs, a, a lot of running schemes in college are pretty similar and samey. Like the, the cake's pretty baked in the run game. There's like a few families of, of thing, but it, it doesn't change any more than anything else changes in the NFL. Um, wide receiver, maybe a little bit too. Because a lot of routes are find your way to this specific place at this specific time or these couple places at these couple times. But how you get there is kind of up to you. Um, so you can add window dressing and stuff. You know, watch Justin Jefferson. All of those moves, nine out of ten of them are his plan, not the coach's plan. Um, and so you can take whatever you did in college and sort of graft it right onto what you're running here. And it can still kind of have that. Uh, Big Herman asks, it was clear early on the key to the scripted place was getting Johnny Munt involved. True. Uh, but after that first surge, they really went away from what worked. Do you expect more consistent use of the Vikings tone setter throughout the game and just not in quarter one? Well, if he's the tone setter, all he has to do is set the tone and then you can put him down, right? So no, he's just a quarter one, set the tone, get physical, and then go have, you know, Darisaw clean it up and beat everybody else up. I think that's the move. Uh, Rorschach Cousins asks, why does all sunlight in U.S. Bank mimic golden hour sunlight. <laughs> so I, I looked a little bit at some screenshots. I don't think this is quite true. Um, for one, it, whenever there's shade, it gets a lot bluer, but it, earlier in the season, it does, it is just golden hour a lot when they're playing. Like it's just golden hour, by the way, is a term for when it's sunset and the lighting all gets really warm. Film students sure love it. Um, it looks, everything looks a little prettier. So everything looks a little warmer. Um, but also some of this might be the camera as well. If you look at all 22, like go look at my Twitter page. I've got a bunch of all 22. You get the end, the end zone angle and the all 22 angle. And the end zone angle is just a lot warmer. And it's been that way for a while at us bank. They just haven't changed it. Cause why bother? You don't need to see it. Um, so it might just be a camera thing too. Legend of Korra asks, I saw on TikTok, if you pull a bunny's tail out, it grows. <laughs> Is it true for all bunnies or just certain ones? Okay, bunnies do have longer tails than you think. They got that little cotton tail, but if that's not it. It's like more of a beaver tail looking thing, and it's just sort of uh, curled up. But if you have a pet rabbit and you try to touch it, A, forbidden. If you watched on YouTube, uh, I had a video of, of the rabbits uh, during one of the reads, and I tried it, <laughs> and ZD did not like it. It is forbidden. They don't like it uh, unless you have a really chill rabbit and they let you. But still, be very careful. That can hurt them too much pressure um, on on their it like can hurt their spine. So be very, very careful if you're going to try it. But also, they'll probably hate you. Um, finally, Bryce Davis asks, do you like that? I suppose I have no choice. Uh, tomorrow on the show, I am going to deep dive some of the things that I talked about here, circle back to some of those questions with the, the shot plays, how Jefferson got so open and the Jordan Hicks thing. I want to talk about all those. So that's going to be the move tomorrow. Until then, uh, check out the Peacock and Williamson show. It's an NFL show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, and check out the history documentary on patreon.com slash with Brian NFL. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.